The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Uh, Jasmine, you know that like in food, the source indicates quality, right? It evokes craftsmanship and traditional old world values. The source reinforces the connection we have to each other and to the world. S. Pellegrino, bottled at the source in Bergamo, Italy since 1899, is a premium mineral water that's naturally filtered by the Italian Alps. We're going to have to get, like, Zach Pollock in here to talk about the Italian Alps. During his 30-year underground journey, minerals are absorbed as the water flows through geological formations to its source, creating a unique and refreshing taste. That's why it's so delicious. Mm -hmm. Chefs are meticulous about the ingredients we select for our menus. We insist on knowing that the source, where the source of our food comes from, and we support farmers and suppliers who share our values, and so does Pellegrino. In all my restaurants, I proudly serve S. Pellegrino, not only because of the taste, but how it enhances the flavors of the food I serve. I'm also addicted to... uh, bubbles. Uh, But because of the brand's relentless support of the culinary community, uh, that's why I really love them. They facilitate mentoring opportunities and support the livelihood of the culinary arts. S. Pellegrino is a brand I trust directly from the source. I enjoy it at my dinner table each and every night. When you gather around the table with family and friends, I encourage you to enhance your own meals by choosing S. Pellegrino. To find S. Pellegrino in your area and for some additional culinary inspiration, visit sanpellegrino.com. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Starving for Attention uh, from our home walk-in studio. Jasmine Blaze is here. I'm Richard Blaze. Hi. Uh, Jeff is behind the glass somewhere, but not behind the glass here yeah, in our Sunday. kitchen. I hope he's like at home or something. I hope so, <laughs> but he might be probably behind glass I yeah. would, if he's inside. Uh, Flynn McGarry episode. Teenage super chef Flynn McGarry. We spent some time with him in New York a couple of weeks ago. Um, you've probably, if you haven't heard of the name, here's the thing. Teenage superstar chef who I think was in a New York Times magazine. When's the first time you heard about him? I feel like it was on one of these, like a, a blog. I don't know if yeah. it was Eater, but it was one of those things where all of a sudden... Um, people were talking about a pop-up that Flynn McGarry was doing and, you know, showing pictures. And I think that that's how he sort of made a name for himself. He was staging at restaurants. Right. Um, and staging like at really good, yeah, restaurants, good restaurants. Right. Um, what, 11 Madison Park and I think Alma, right, mm-hmm. were some of the big places that he staged at. Amongst others, he gets yeah. into it in the pod. Um, but it was more like a social media thing, like before really social media, but it was it blog. It was a chat room. Yeah, it was, it the, was uh, sort of chat, chat room, room chat blog room days. Fever. Yeah. And it was like, here's this, whatever, 13, 14-year-old kid mm. doing a tasting menu, and here's his beautiful food. Um, and you know what else was really big back in the uh, chat room days? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't, this could go in a, in a number a of different laugh. directions. Yeah, haters, haters, real right. big. Well, that's, I mean, I guess they're still big. No, well, now it's trolls uh, more. But trust me, they're still out there. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go check in on our Facebook page, yeah. um, but you're right. No, that's how I came. That's how Flynn McGarry came to my attention. It wasn't really that he was a teenage chef doing great work, which is the, still the case. Right. Um, it was that for some reason the venom started spewing hmm. on these chat rooms about how this 
you know, kid has a silver spoon in his mouth and right. how does, why does he deserve, you know, an article in a magazine and there's people who have been grinding it out in their 30s and 40s right. and there were just some haters and trolls and we talk yeah. about it a little bit in this podcast. And in the industry, right? I mean, oh, we're, industry we're not talking folks, about just right. like random people that read the New York Magazine. Yeah, I mean, York, I, I feel like there were magazine. also like, you know, I don't know if there was anyone like super, super like famous who was dogging him because right. why would you? Um, but I think there were a lot of like, but you I've never been know, a chef especially for if it, years. you never know, especially if it was just a screen handle. You right. Know, when it was like C3. Right. Remember that time uh, we found out it was a chef? Yes. Was, we have had some experiences awesome. where we found out that trolls Listen, guys, people. It's not always anonymous. And if you know the editor of said blog or, or yes. said newspaper outlet, they can go behind the screens and figure out from your IP address who you are. I do feel like, you, know what, you know, what's really interesting. I feel like social media has helped in that regard a little bit because remember like in the early days of the internet, yeah. like no one had their internet name was, was not their right. name. Scooter 6729. Right. Yeah. I, like I remember mine was like a Poissonnier Fernand Pont. Dork. 86. Like some, dork. yeah, total, like, you know, oh super, gosh. super, like, dorky food thing. Um, but now, because of social media and because people um, are using it in a different way, a lot of people use their real name. Yeah, and you got to get in trouble with the catfishing. Some. Like, there are yeah. people, oh, oh my God, what? this is actually going to be a really live re- re- reveal to you. Uh. Someone is using my images. Yeah. And started an Instagram page. Oh, that's really big right now. Yeah. And then like talking to people, right? Trying to like hook up with people. Right. But the thing is, this person is not that people have been, are you wondering how I found out? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm I'm wondering lots of things, but go ahead and tell me. Someone DM'd me. It was like, hey, someone's using your images. Right, right. Yeah. And, but they're using images that I have watermarked. Oh, interesting. So it's like, if you're smart and look at the picture, it says my name on the picture. But aren't they using your images as you or no? No. Oh. Right. They're, it's like they're... Oh, interesting. It's like, I thought someone was impersonating you, which no, is very... No, like, which is, yeah. They, I mean, listen, at happening. a certain level of celebrity, there's a ton of like yeah. fake accounts. And right. like, we, I get that. And again, I don't think this is anything, you know, it huh. seems pretty immature. Yeah. It's not like intense, but there were a couple of people that DM'd me like, hey, someone's using your, your images. Huh. Um, interesting. Yeah. Oh, show me later. I yeah. See. I'm not going to blow it up because that would be yeah. uh, defeating the sort don't of feed the trolls don't feed yeah. the trolls um right. but uh i that's how i found out about Flynn and gary and i like right. sort of like you know in in my mind at least you know rushed to the defense of like who cares how old someone is if they're doing what they love to do and they're doing it well yeah and sure. if they get an article they get an article and that's just the way the world works right. i mean like i don't know if 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 Many people have spent a lot of time with 12, 13, 14 year olds, but good Lord, if you find one that's like, you know, got drive and ambition, like, why would you ever try to squash that? Yeah. And like the whole thing, I mean, again, I think it's where we're, we're weaving ourselves out of that sort of situation in the industry. But like for those chefs to be like, oh, you got to pay your dues first. Like it's right. such an old school mentality. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I, 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 I well, sort of learned about Well, I mean, flight. you have to pay your dues first. Sure. Um, I, I still think that applies somewhat but who's saying he didn't pay his dues and what you know in in the way that he needed to you know well and he Um, has now right i mean right i mean it it kind of you know i mean we have not heard um we've heard a couple chefs say that like you know everybody's moving a little too fast now that that kids go to culinary school and come out and want to be on food network you know so there's there is a bit of that you know Uh, you know yeah i mean of course but like at the end of the day the work stands for itself Sure. Right, so whether it's yeah. images, whether you're writing or performing or cooking or whatever it is, I'm, yeah. and I'm talking about in the culinary world, eventually the work just you know will speak for itself. Yeah. Um, and even when it came up in this podcast, I'm not going to spoil anything, but like you could see 
in his face, like when we start talking about haters, like, man, you know, that stuff is hard to deal with. Mm, like it's yeah. hard, it's hard to deal with for me. Like I said, like we just got, you yeah. know, went through a little minor little blip where it's like, you know, people are trying to dog you for doing your thing. And like, what do you do? Do you, do you, do you, do you start fighting each and every troll that comes your way? Because a lot of times that's the worst decision to make, right? Yeah. You're fueling the fire. Um, and like some people do a really good job at it on like the, the macro level and the political level, which is like always blows me away. Like, sure. and we have friends that have been on this podcast that deal with it really, really well. But, uh, it's hard to deal with people who anonymously are hating on you. Yeah, online, of course. Especially when it's just like, oh, I'm young and I. But I, I will love say that um, the millennial generation, the 19 year olds of the world, um, are a little bit better suited at it than we are because they've been living in a world of technology where oh, you have interesting. cyber bullies and you know people talking about you online or in a text group or whatever. Like they've been dealing with that since they were 12. That's, probably. That's you know, true. I mean, the iPhone's been around since 2011. Yeah. So. Yeah, or actually so, no, before that. So you kind of you kind of just learn how to deal. You're saying they're more equipped to deal with yeah. um, the potential of negativity coming their way. I think they've experienced it from a very young age when your brain's developing and you know, like your your all your processing centers are kind of you know. Oh, right. we've seen this before, you know. And in the same way, I think like now and again, Flynn is 19. He's going to be 20, so he's not going to be the teenage superstar chef yeah. anymore. Um, but also, I think young people have the ability now because of the digital age and social media, et cetera, to sort of find these niche passions early on. Like it doesn't yep. surprise me anymore. I'm, you know, I'm judging these television shows. We're on these television shows and you know, kids are 10 years old and super passionate about whatever it is, cooking, art, fashion, yodeling, music, right? The yeah. yodel boy. Yeah. It's not yodel boy. Yodel, yodel kid. Yeah. He's, he's dope. Yeah. He just, he just, he just was at Coachella. I know. Like, you know that someone has, has tipped when they show up at Coachella. Oh, definitely. <laughs> also though, you know, what's really interesting. Um, first of all, I, I went on his, so I found, I think it's Mason Ramsey is the name of the kid. Sounds right. Um, yeah. but like I went on his Instagram page when it was like 10,000 people. Right. And that was like right after people started posting like these memes. Right after. Like right after whatever the first big meme was. Where did you see that big meme? Yes, you sent me the meme. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you get credit for every most 99. Remember when I tried to find a cool backup Salt Bay meme? Yeah. And then I was like, what about this guy? Yes, it was horrible. He's not horrible. He's got over a million followers and he does like a giant tray of couscous. He bought him. I don't think so. I think he's very I've never seen anyone Turkey. talk about him. But I would, you know why I found that guy? Just to try and like find someone and be like, check this out. Check out this meme or something. Yeah, and it, was not, <laughs> it wasn't working. But anyway, this kid had 10,000 followers yeah. and then like I just checked in on his account a couple yeah. days ago. Million two or yeah. something like that. Yeah. That's, totally. that's viral. That's viral. That's, right. ins- that's insanity. Also, yeah. you know what's kind of amazing about that? And this will, we, we didn't really get into this with Flynn McGarry. But like if you look at Yodel, uh, little Hank Williams, yeah. Is his Instagram account. Yeah, totally. And it's like, uh, you know, my account is run by my grandmother, right? Which is like what kids Aww. have to have, right? But also props to grandma. Yeah, right? Props to grandma. Jumping in. Because like, first of all, even to just, like, I don't know, I think they're the, the original sort of Walmart video was in Southern Illinois. Uh-huh. But like, how do you, like to go from that and then a couple weeks later to Coachella and to be able to deal with that if right. you're not someone like in the industry or someone yeah. that knows about like entertainment. Right. That's intense. You I know how many emails his grandma must his have gotten in the last couple weeks? I, I imagine they probably have more help now 
professionally someone no at this point but i'm yeah. saying it's moved fast i don't know it's how, moved really fast i mean I, I i mean like just on on the explore page on instagram you just see that kid's face with like every major performer right. like bieber and oh and, there's uh, all sorts know, of parodies and, now yeah, it's insane but it, oh, it hasn't been more than a couple weeks so i'm just saying like yeah. if you're like okay that's um, a whirlwind i'm this kid's grandma in in you know any town usa yeah. southern illinois well, that's what we've, we've heard that from other people with the things that go viral you know whether it was thug kitchen or candace nelson and sprinkles cupcakes on, yeah. on this pod like Richard Blaze when something goes when vi- Richard Blaze no, you've yeah, never I'm had not. anything go viral that would be great but yeah. viral is a different thing no I because it is because it yeah. is because it, it just shoots up so astronomically out of nowhere all of a sudden yeah. you know and they all have said it's just it's just like hold on for your life you know and you'll eventually make it out the other side but you'll be like soaking wet and not know where you are and well um, props to little hank williams yeah hey jasmine yeah uh whenever we're in a dinner rut or know that we don't have time to uh run to the grocery store you know where we love turning right yeah, of Where? course. Green Chef. That's right. Green Chef. They're an organic meal kit that brings you the convenience of home cooking combined with fine dining flavor. We love Green Chef because they have a variety of meal plans to choose from, such as vegan, paleo, keto, gluten-free, and more. We're working on the special Jasmine Blaze Edition, which is a combination of all five of those meal kits. <laughs> Sign up's easy. Just go to greenchef.us slash Richard. Pick your favorite meal plan, and Green Chef will send you a gorgeous box filled with organic ingredients and easy recipes. And they, they are actually really easy. This week, Jasmine and I are really looking forward to cooking up cauliflower fritters mm-hmm. from our vegetarian meal plan. It's one of our favorites. Yeah. Uh, it takes just about 30 to 45 minutes, although I think you can get it done in less than 30 if you, if you hustle. And they come with ingredients that are all pre-portioned and mostly pre-chopped for you. For convenient and organic meal kits delivered right to your door, go to greenchef.us slash Richard, and you'll get $50 off your first box. That's greenchef.us slash R-I-C-H. A-R-D for $50 off. That's a great discount. Uh, you know, they're all great episodes, but I, I've been sort of like, we've been trying to get Flynn in for a while yeah. and he's was fresh off of a red eye flight yeah. oh, from San geez. Francisco. He's got a movie Thank coming out. Thank goodness for the young, you know? Yeah, called Chef stuff. Flynn. He's got a brick and mortar restaurant right now in the Lower East Side Chinatown area in New York City called Gem. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts. Everyone, Flynn McGarry. <laughs> Gary, what's going on, dude? One more handshake. Yes. Are you jump? You are just. Uh, this is Jasmine Blaze. Hey, how's it going? You're just jumping off a plane. Yes. Um, where Where are you coming from? I was in San Francisco for 12 hours. Oh wow. Ooh. Well, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for Thanks for joining us. We appreciate a, your, your patience. Very quick trip. It is. So I have a question. Since you're, uh, you know, you're an awesome chef and you're on an airplane and you spend a lot of time on uh, airplanes because you're on tour as well. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, do you eat on airplanes? Look. <laughs> it depends. I mean, I, I I snack on airplanes a lot. Right. M- most of my meals on airplanes consist of like I'll get a bag of pretzels or like. So you're an almonds pretzel sort of guy. Yeah. You're, you're not, it's more snacks than it is actual food on an airplane. Is this because you can't stand powdered eggs? Is this is this sort of? Like I just issue don't you trust it. Nice. Meaning yeah. like in a food safety sort of sense or just... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel like I always feel weird after I eat on a plane. Like mm. you're like up in the air. and I don't know. I, I just like... depend If it's a really long flight, then right. I'll eat. But right. I also usually just sleep the entire flight of every flight Oh, that's that good. You, you can do that. Yeah. I used to be able to do that and now I, I can't Did for I, some reason. I think I, I think, you. I think I, probably. I took away and your it, power. It might be an age thing. Okay, so it's an almonds. Uh, did you watch any movies on the flight? Um, no, I literally just 
slept. You just slept the whole time. Yeah. What was the last? Uh, what was the last movie that you watched on an on an airplane? Actually, the last uh, I watched Notting Hill. So, for, so oh crazy. my god! So did I. That's crazy. No, wait. This is really weird. That's really it, weird. And I think one of the, one of the last two movies I watched on an airplane is. was Notting Hill. Now, it's a great airplane movie. Now this is probably weird though because <laughs> y- you may not have even been alive when the original Notting right. Hill uh, came about. I right? Were you? Were you? Were, were you were, very. Yeah, yeah, like, but you're yeah. not like you weren't into yeah. movies. No, I, I was. I don't think I saw it when it came out. But I, I, I had seen it before and I hadn't seen it in a few years, and I was like. Scrolling through, and I was like, "Yeah, Notting Hill seems right." Nice. Fleming oh, Gary's a rom-com. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Hugh Grant. Um, you know who is a character in that movie? Is the uh, you remember? Because you watched it with me, I think, yeah. on that flight, right? It's the uh, the roommate, right? The roommate. Yeah. The roommate is insane. Roommate's the great. He, he's in, incredibly British. Yeah. Um, but that that's really really weird. So, uh, I was see, yeah, I was thinking it was going to be either, um, like a an Avengers movie or something like that. Are you are you? It depends on. I mean, like some flights. Those are the easiest things to just get through. Exactly, so like, exactly. Totally. But, I mean, it, it's anything that I won't bring myself to actually watch in a theater. So, like, I, actually, I'd probably watch Notting Hill in a theater. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, I mean, or I'll, or I have a weird time, like, on the tiny screen watching, like, a movie that I really want to see. Mm, because yeah. I feel like it's going to, like, mess up the my, like, like, someone was watching Dunkirk next to me. And I was like, that's not the way to watch. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of, I, I, I agree with you. As a matter of yeah. fact, um, you watched Dunkirk I on a recent Dunkirk. flight. First of all, that you, movie, there's like no, it's just yeah, the visual. Just the so visual, if you're just like, watching yeah. it on a tiny little screen. Right, or even like the audio. You need, you need yeah. sort of the right. audio yeah. of like a big theater. I'm just, I'm big on not watching movies that have a lot of dialogue. So, you know, I can barely hear on an airplane. It's like, I'd rather just watch something that I can kind of, Exactly, but also for me, it's the anxiety. Like I don't really want to be, like you said, like it's kind of a stressful thing. You're in the air for five or six hours. You're coming yeah. from the West Coast, and like having bombs blasting all around me too is yes. one of those things. <laughs> in airplane, where Notting Hill yeah. is kind of perfect. Yeah, it was. You know? It was a good one. Um, you can fall asleep and wake up, and you're still in this. You know what's going fine. on. And yeah. the reason I said maybe like Avengers or something, because you're, you're you're sort of a superhero yourself. So I feel like you have like some superpowers. And like you might sort of be able to relate to like I don't know totally yeah like, you're, 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 I like I'm is an it older the hair? is that what it's makes funny, you actually, like a superpower <laughs> twice yesterday I got because I, I went out to San Francisco for this documentary that just came out about me and in both Q and A's some two different people asked like what's your superpower right oh so wow it's very interested like wow well yeah. that means that I'm becoming a cliche journalist which kind of <laughs> bothers me a little yeah, bit no they weren't journalists they were just regular people okay good well that makes me feel a, a little bit better I like how you just sort of glossed over the fact <laughs> because you're a humble dude uh, oh this is this kind of documentary about me <laughs> and you're on like the international film festival tour it seems right on my weekends. On yes. your on the weekends. Yes. Because you're also like a working serious chef. Yeah, we integrity. also just opened a restaurant. Exactly. Right. So uh, amazing time for you, right? Very busy time. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, but it's been kind of an amazing last uh, eight, eight or nine years. Yeah, I mean, I, it's all been kind of a whirlwind. But right now in particular, I mean, we opened the restaurant six weeks ago. Right. And in six weeks, I've also been to two different countries and five cities. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's great. Somehow. Are you finding, um, so far, it's the restaurant's called Gem, right? Mm-hmm. Where This is the Lower East Side. Is yeah. This is technically uh, my, my New York Lower East Side, Chinatown. paying attention. Yeah. I'm just tapping away on their phones. So <laughs> Chinatown. Um, <laughs> and you've been in all these cities. The restaurant's brand new. You've gone through, what, a couple menu changes already, I saw, or one or like, two? or. Uh, this- we're changing some stuff today, and that'll be the third change. Right. So how, how uh, the, the movie and the restaurant both happening at the same time. 
uh, it's got to be the movie. It's got to be great for both of them, right? Yeah, I mean, like notoriety-wise, it's definitely great. Of like, there's like so much of me going on. Right. But I mean, I've been. I think last week was really the only week that I didn't like after service Saturday night get on a plane to somewhere mm. and then fly back like for wow. Tuesday, come in, go right to service. Right. So that's been a an interesting thing that I mean, it's been kind of cool to like still be able to like travel and do all this stuff in the midst of opening a restaurant um but it's it'd be it's nice i'm finally done with the festival circuit so i can be here and have my like you are you're right you're wrapped with it right have my like half day off on sundays when does the so uh, the film which is it's chef flynn is the name of the film Mm -hmm. which is like wow that's amazing you didn't even name your restaurant chef flynn no the movie's called (laughs) chef flynn um is can anyone see it now or where where is it so they're they're Working on distribution, and I think it's going to come out in the fall. It's going to be, I think it's, I said to this on, on the way here, Jasmine, that it's probably going to be the last sort of chef doc that I watch for a little while. Because, I mean, I feel like your story is, like, truly compelling. But it's, There's a lot of them. Right, that's what I mean. Like, there's a lot of them, and it's, uh, it's almost a, it's a, it's a trope now. And, you know, you don't have, like, I mean, I haven't seen the film, and I, and I don't know everything about your personal story. But, like, you're so young, like, you don't have a redemption aspects to your arc yet like because you've only known success no i mean I, I i mean the thing that i think the documentarian um who made his name cameron yates really wanted to show of like sort of it's more of just like he's been following me around for six years now right so it's sort of like since everything kind of happened he was always sort of in the back like behind the scenes and i mean yeah th- it, there has been success. there's also been like a lot of like i mean as I'm sure you know of like difficulties with bad nights of service and stuff right. like that and showing it where it's like not as exactly pretty of a picture as one would think and but it, I mean it doesn't have that sort of same I guess thing of like like I'm it, and I think the interesting thing is it's not like showing someone's full career which is a lot of the chef documentaries now is like you're showing them at a point where they're like completely established and you're just sort of showing you're going back and then right exactly right now which yeah. is just being that and this is was like it ends in a place where it was like like it ended way before the restaurant opened so it's like it's still continuing sure well like you're 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 young enough that like in your career and also now in like your film career there could be a sequel yeah no i mean that's the, everyone at the end they're like why, like why aren't you filming the restaurant i'm like no i don't i don't really want that but i mean it, it is the nice thing of it leaves a bunch of sort of Questions, okay. not not questions on names, but sort of like what's going on now. Sure, were there were there since the since they've been filming for what well, you said six or seven years? Are there like moments like you like can barely remember? Like I can't even. Remember. I can't remember. I watched. I've seen the film yeah. twice, and the first time I saw it, I was like, I have no recollection of anything in this film. Wow. wow. I mean, like I, I remember that it happened, but like yeah. all the little details, I just like blur because it's it was the majority of it is in the time that was like just like everything was happening all at the same time and I had no I was just like going what, are there any so, like cringy sort of uh, yeah. like moments like for me I cringe at things that I did like last week so yeah, imagine no, like, I mean sort of definitely there's like the part where I'm like 13 years old that no one really wants to see themselves <laughs> at 13 years old <laughs> right. um, but I mean it, it was a lot more of like sort of like I, I find it really funny because it was just like seeing all these people that I kind of forgot about that were really great and funny and um, there's like this one sort of part in the film that sort of is focused around a pop-up that really didn't go well and it's funny of like 
people like like get really like nervous during it and I like now like I watch it and it's sort of like why was I freaking out so much that was like one bad night of service and it's like this whole like everyone's freaking out I was like people like had a slip like it took a long time for them to get their food and like that that's like the thing that people are really freaking out about that I now am like, oh, that happens. Like, yeah. That, That's kind of, it's interesting. I mean, again, like, you know, uh, having participated in so much reality television, it always seems like fans of, like, even, like, really good competitive cooking shows, they're always saying, like, I'm so nervous when, like, the plate doesn't come out yeah. or something gets burned and time's running out. Um, that's an interesting look at it, though. It's like, that's just kind of like... That's every night yeah. in every restaurant. Yeah. At some point, something takes a little bit too long. Something doesn't go well. I mean, someone told me once that like a good chef is just someone that like can fix that fixes problems. That's all I do all day. All day, <laughs> and even yeah. more so now that you're a restaurateur, uh, running your own your own business as well. Um, was there any way that when you were 11 and just getting into that's when you started right around around 11, 10, 11, 10, 11 yeah. um, like you knew that this was where you were going to end end up? I don't think. Like, literally, yeah. I think it was more of like a. I mean, I wanted to have a restaurant, but it, I don't think it was something where I was like, "This is exactly where it was going to be." This, this, and this. It actually did come out very close to what I probably was thinking when I was thirteen, when everyone started doing like um, the pop-up dinners. Um, but I mean, I definitely don't think at that time I thought that I would be spending hours at the building department and like, right, all of that fun. Do you doing all that legwork? You did all of that yourself? Yeah. Because I think that's really important, I think, for you to, to mention, too. Because I do think that there's this sort of, like, um, mystique about you, right? That, um, that you've just sort of arrived sort of on the pedestal. You know what I mean? And here's this, uh, you know, teenage sensation, which I'm sure you're perhaps over. And you're, you're almost not a teenager anymore, right? Yeah. yeah, a few months left. Okay, yeah. <laughs> a few that's months it, left. They can't call you teen chef anymore. I, know, I don't know what Maybe they're going to call me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I Pro- mean, Probably not. They're just going to be like, we don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> like, what, what's, what's the story? Um, but, like, you didn't just arrive. Like, I mean, it's, it's hard. No, you can't, yeah, you it's, can't do what you're you, doing. You can't just arrive. And right. that's the only thing is when I'm always, like, when people think that, it's like, no, like, this is, like, no. I'm here every day, like, and I mean, even with the build-out, like, I built, like, three of these walls. Like, I was very, I mean, I wanted to learn every aspect of it because I was really, I mean, I'd been doing the pop-ups for so long that I had been, like, I, I knew how to cook dinner for people. I knew how to set up, uh, how to order, how to do that stuff, right. food costs. But the thing is, I didn't, I didn't know how to, like, set up a business. And so, I, and I had a lot of really great kind of people on my team, but after a certain point, I was just sort of like, I got to figure this out on my own or else we're not going to get open and, like, dealt with contractors and all that really fun stuff that I don't want to do for a very long time again, but... Um, it's not the fun part. No, but I mean, it was the really interesting thing to see, really, the aspects that are really not creative and really just, like, paperwork yeah. and really boring things that are necessary in order to like legally do what I want to do um, and I think that that's been the biggest sort of learning thing for me in opening which I'm, I mean I'm sure everyone for their first thing is just like wow there's a lot of shit that I don't want to do but um, I wanted to at least do it once so I knew that I if I did it again even with partners whatever I would know like sort of everything that was going on and wouldn't just be like someone else is going to figure this out yeah I mean it took me I mean well into my 30s before I even really wanted to like deal with food cost like it was just like oh can someone on the team just do this and can we just you know I just want these mushrooms and this ingredient and can they just show up and then you can tell me if it's going to work or not um, you did all that you know yeah on your own yeah and I mean I, I, and that's what I've been doing which is 
been the whole thing of like I had all the pop-ups to just sort of like figure out this and like how to do everything up until actually getting the spot open um, and so I think that made it a lot easier of like dealing with all the little like already having contacts for purveyors and knowing how to do a profit and loss report right. and all right. that kind of stuff now really. when you started your yeah, so how different is it from your pop-ups to running the restaurant is it 0 to 10 0 to 100 like where I mean day to day it's roughly the same Yeah. I mean because we were doing things that were sort of six month long things so it was we were open for service every night um, now it's definitely a bigger staff the pop-ups that I did for a long time were really just like me and one or two people um, and now we have different elements and more people to pay and be in charge of and and it's definitely on a bigger scale um, but it's also easier in a lot of ways because we're not in dealing with someone else's space and all the issues of another owner who has all their thoughts on everything and, and if you move something of theirs everyone freaks out like this right this it, it makes it so it a lot of those headaches go away but then yeah. on the flip side a lot of the headaches come of um, uh, having to deal with all of the little kind of details every day sure um, you know you're talking about like um, leadership and having more people to sort of work with um, how hard is that like I remember like my first executive chef gig and it was like nothing in comparison to what you're doing but I remember being again you know uh, 20 something years old 28 years old and having to go tell you know a 50 year old man you know, that he needed to put more white pepper in the mashed potatoes and feeling really weird about that. Yeah. Um, how, how do you deal with being um, so young and having to lead people who are, I'm assuming, are, are, are almost all older than you are? Yeah, I mean, definitely all older. Right. Um, I mean, it's something that I, I think still I'm figuring out and, and that's what this is and what I've been trying to figure out for a long time of that sort of way of, like, dealing, I mean, just, and I, a lot of it, I think, comes from, like, the confidence that you have in, like, being like, no, this is wrong. Like, this is how I want something and not, like, one of my um, friends who I used to work with a lot said something um, about, uh, he was, like, when I was first doing these pop-ups and dealing with, like, random staff members. Because I'd always, even since I was, like, 14, had, like, staffs for things that we did for 40 people. And I would always, he said I would always sort of ask them to do something, but I would, like, apologize Right. Like, I'd be like, I'm sorry, but can you do this, like, this very specific way? Yeah, sure. And he was like, after a certain point, you stop apologizing, and you're like, no, this is how I, I want it, and um, it sort of helps. That definitely helps with just, like, I think now I know exactly what I want everything to be like. Um, and, I mean, it, there still are all those difficulties of, like, dealing with people who are older and, and that kind of mentality of, like, there's some 19-year-old telling me what to do. But, I mean, it's sort of a... a learning curve and a, and a thing to work with people on and well, sure. probably, probably easier than a 12 year old telling you what to do definitely easier than a 12 year old <laughs> but still I mean there's still I mean the amount of people that I've done things like collaboration things whatever and I'll right. have, be cooking a dish and they'll be like they'll do something one way and be like no that's not how I do it and they'll be like but like I've been doing this for a long time I'm like okay that's fine but right. you're cooking my thing right now sure and I think but you're never pounding your fist on the pass and be like this is the way to do it no, I mean, maybe I should be, but no. No, uh, no I don't think you should. No, I, think, I, and I never wanted, I worked in places like that and right. didn't enjoy them. And, I and you didn't absorb it, which is, which is really, I no, think, and important. I mean, I, I, and I also don't think I, I think a lot of chefs that particularly don't like me are, have this thing where 
it's the mentality of like I got treated like shit, so now I need to treat other people like mm. that because that's the only way that I. Hundred percent. It's yeah. like we talk about it a lot here, and, and there's yeah. a lot of chefs who are in the chair that you're in right now that are like, I wish it was like the old days, you know, like. You, you know, like when I, you used to be able to yell at when someone, you used to be able to just <laughs> yell at someone and they do something, or like when I was a cook and you know, um, and like I just think it's cyclical. So like yeah. I'm kind of inspired I mean, by the fact that like you know your 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 generation you know can break that mold. You know, clearly. yeah. I mean, I think like everyone sort of has had those bosses, and no one enjoys it. So like that's the thing I've always been confused by is like the notion of if I'm not being treated well, why would I want to do that to other people? Like. Right. And that's sort of that's where the bitterness just kind of keeps going, exactly. keeps going yeah. of like this. I mean, it's kind of like it's very petty of like I got treated badly, so I need to treat other people badly. And not, I mean, the great chefs that I worked for had a very different mentality. They were like, I didn't like that, so I changed it because I am in a position of power and can change the way that we talk to people and change the way that we run our kitchens. And right, I mean, it is a really hard balance, I think, to strike between. Being nice to everyone, but also being very kind of stern. One hundred percent. Yeah, there's um, there's an urgency aspect to it. Yes. I think is what it is. It's like you do have to get that thing done quickly. Yeah, and there's you got. No, I mean, be there, able it's to, very to, high stress and all the thing. And I think that's. I mean, that's when I've always seen. It's like during service and something's late, someone's gonna freak out. That's obviously gonna happen. But I think there's either the way just that chefs will make you feel terrible, or just like. But that also takes. I always say like that takes so much longer. Every time that I think I've, I've been yelled at or I've seen someone get yelled at, the thing that's always been going through my head is you're delaying everything more because I can't actually get the thing done To now have a tantrum. Because yeah. you're having a tantrum at me. And, like, if I started cooking, you, I would get yelled at more. So it's, like, this thing where I was always, like, middle of service and a pixelate or something, and the chef just starts going off and, like, you got to listen to them. But I'm also like, I could just be making yeah, it I can, now. I could go get the thing I out of the oven that's yeah, burning. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's just like, it actually literally is detrimental. Like, I've worked for so many chefs that are just like, get so mad at middle of service, like, throw everything out, and it's like, mm. well, now no one's happy. Like, right. we yeah. could have just, like, dealt with it in a little bit of a quicker manner, and no one would be getting yelled I, at. I, I'm interested. I think, I think a lot of that, too, comes from, I think, even, like, the generation before me where like maybe even the industry was more archaic and more sort of protege mentor um, is like you know people came from sort of you know people came from like oh I, this part of my life didn't work out now I'm going to go cook yeah. or even myself like I have nothing else really going on in my life so now I'm just going to like oh I like being here for 17 hours a day I'll yeah. just stay here and like that's different from your story like because you chose this path like really really young yeah I mean, it was... And, like, without getting it, you know, because a lot of people have covered it, but, like, what was that moment where you're like, yeah, I'm just going to... I want to be a chef in a restaurant. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, I mean, it's it's funny. I, I don't think I ever had a moment where I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. It was the thing where... Even, like, how you're saying, like, I just felt comfortable and I felt at home in these kitchens and in these places. And, and it was just sort of like a... I was taking everything day by day. I mean, I was like... 12 years old working in a kitchen like I don't think it, I was being like I want this exact thing and then I think as I just kept going and kept doing it and liked every kind of aspect of it more and more and more I think it just sort of I, I don't think I've ever truly said like to myself like I want to be a chef I just kind of did it you just it. did it yeah right. and like it wasn't an overly conscious thing of like 
figuring out what my career is was the thing where I literally could not do anything else. Like, and, and not in the fact that I wasn't capable of it. I literally would go to school and all I would want to do is, is cook. And that was all that my brain wanted to do. And everything just sort of felt natural as a progression. You were and, home. Yeah. And I mean, I, I never even really had like a, I think a lot of people have that sort of like shot list of like, this is where I want to be here. This is where I want to be here. I just kind of did it and everything like next step that felt natural, I did. And like, if it didn't feel natural, I didn't do it. And right. like, it, it was really just sort of like, I was taking everything day. I mean, I, and I had said I wanted a restaurant. If before this happened, if I didn't want one, I wouldn't have done it. Like right. it was really just kind of knowing myself and where I was at that point because it is such a volatile kind of industry that yeah there's a good chance that one day I would have woken up and be like why am I doing this right like I just like wasted all this time well that's kind of also like I I think like the incredibly inspiring thing about your story and how I think more young people should like make make a commitment early on because like if you truly did want to just stop it all like tomorrow you got three more lives. No, exactly. Left That's to like really pursue say. whatever you want. Yeah. No, I'm like, this is like, I could literally wake up in a few months and be like, I don't want to yeah. do this anymore and have enough time to figure That's something amazing. else out. That's amazing. I feel like that, but it's way, it's, it's, it's not. I'm like, no, but I'm, I mean, I, I got one more. I'm, I'm in the middle of the road. I always mean like, but everyone can do that. Like, it, it's funny how the, I mean, the kind of ageism in the industry or any industry kind of works both ways of like if you're too young you can't do everything if you're too old no one really cares like mm-hmm. and it's the interesting thing of like I mean I, I always because people always are like so like when are you going to burn out mm. and I'm very aware of that's probably going to happen one day not right. necessarily like I mean and every chef I feel like goes through this where it's like I'm not going to want to work service every night for right. like okay. the rest of my life and that's totally fine I'm like if when I'm 40 or whatever like I go I don't want to do this anymore I can totally go do something sure. else like well I mean you're probably getting a sense of that like I mean let's be I mean let's be real right you're you're sitting there in a, at a film festival watching your own film that's about you right that's pretty cool <laughs> like, like I was in one movie I watched one scene about myself and I was ready to be an actor like that was it I was I was so like Let's be honest about. I mean, like, like it's cool. Like, it's yeah. and it's and it's okay to like enjoy those moments where like you're on a magazine cover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's from my PR team. Who's very proud that they got us on a couple covers. Or like you're in a movie, um, and like I feel like also that's a part of our industry that like you know, again your generation and you specifically can change. Is like it's okay to have success and feel good about it, and like also grow and like not just be chained to the stove. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think thing also is like that's the only reason that I've been able to cook is because like people need to eat the food right Mm -hmm. like and people need to find out about it and like I think that's always the interesting thing where people are like they hate any sort of press or whatever it's like no you need that now for a restaurant right like I can't do what I want to do unless I do all those things and get people in the seats and actually eating it that's wise and it might I mean that might specifically be because you're also younger like you understand like the digital world probably a little bit better than right. yeah I mean it, it, I think it's it's a thing in anything I was just like exposure and I mean we're also not I'm not just opening like a neighborhood restaurant like it's something that's more of an experience and that's something that I wanted to do that was like people are coming here to, to come here not just like wandering through the neighborhood and walking and be like what's this <laughs> and that inherently needs people to be excited about it and to 
and they want to know more about it and like it's awesome that people come in here and they like which is, I mean it's a little weird sometimes they know literally everything about like the restaurant and me and all these things and are like telling me things that I forgot I said but it's a, I mean having that resource is the only I mean the fact that this is my first actual restaurant and we were full for our first month is I think such a rare thing and was such a great thing that I didn't even realize when I was doing all these things before that if I would have no one ever would have known about me I probably would have not been able to raise the money for the restaurant I probably even sure. if I did open no one there wouldn't be the amount of press that came out when we actually opened and fill all the seats for a decently expensive tasting menu of a month old restaurant right and it's I, day. Yeah. yeah no I mean it, it is this thing now of like I don't it, before maybe it was like people just didn't really think about that but now I think every chef sort of has to realize that like that is the only way you're gonna be able to do your job sure people are interested in writing about it and are there has the times been in here yet no no yet. or we're, no or, we're at, waiting. Or, or that you know of or no you're pretty no you we're, got, we're pretty we're pretty, pretty dialed in. about that we, we do have, we have a re- review coming out soon okay but uh not from the times the, right. time, the times usually gives you a little bit more time right um, so but soon they will definitely be in, be in, in oh, there yeah. soon. so that's that's got to be a little bit um nerve-wracking yeah, I, I mean, mean, I feel like it's one of the only like you know, it's 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 the the top of the mountain still. The yeah, other times you know. I mean, it, it is that crazy thing where if someone if Pete Wells does not have a good meal, however many times he comes, your restaurant's not gonna be doing well. And I mean, that's like something that I try not to think about too much because it will definitely freak you out. But I mean, it, it is this thing where like. For so long, people have been writing so many, like, the pieces were, like, essentially hype pieces. It was, like, about what I was doing. And right. now that we're a restaurant and we're open and aren't going to go away anytime soon, we're welcoming all the critics and welcoming all that stuff. And I think there's this weird thing where there's a lot of people who want to ha- come and want to hate it. 100%, yeah. And I really hope that that's not right. someone with a really powerful voice because, I mean... As everyone knows, like this is it, restaurants are so subjective that like if you come in wanting to hate this, you'll probably leave hating it because oh, it's you can't a, it's actually. I always say like you can't have a great experience in an empty dining room. Yeah, like, if you come to a restaurant that's just empty and not busy, like you know you're just already in a mindset that like oh no yeah. one's here for a reason. This exactly. Place sucks. No, and I mean it's it's such a tricky balance of like seeing that like I mean every for better or for worse everyone has a voice now. Like if someone comes, they don't like the restaurant. Yeah, because you had mentioned like there's um, you're just at the, some of the people that don't some of the chefs that don't like me or some of the critics. You've uh, with all the exposure you've gotten and all the great things and the high pieces and like the the reality of just that you're awesome and talented. There have been a number of haters, right? Yeah, I mean and naturally, naturally, exactly for anyone at any age. Yeah. Um, but you, how have you been able to deal with that? And has it is it sort of prepped you for like the restaurant world, which is the next level of that sort of, like you said, they're going to love it or hate it and they're coming in with their own. Yeah, I mean, I think the funny thing is like it's all so similar in a lot of ways of like I got a really thick skin from working in kitchens. Right. And so that really helped for dealing with random people on the internet because I was like, they're not like, they're no one, whatever. But, I and I think even that thing of like, I've been, since I've been dealing with that for about six years now of people just like, passionately hating everything that I do. <laughs> you sound like me now a little totally, bit. Totally, yeah. No, I mean, because, you know, because you only, you focus a little bit more to also on the criticism, right? Yeah, You're but a perfectionist. I mean, it's, it's this thing where, like, I'm, I think I'm very good at sort of separating, like, certain criticism that I 
actually will listen to and like mm. certain things that I just completely know are false. Right. And I think that took me a really long time to just be like, no, this person's wrong. Like yeah. I know that what I'm doing is not that. And I think, I mean, and that has been different of like, yeah, if someone comes, they don't like the food for some certain reason. That one's not as fun because I mean, yeah, there's nothing really, if I like it, then, then I should be happy with it, but you don't want people leaving not happy. But some random person on the internet complaining about something that they, some reality they've made up in their mind and I've never met this person before. That I really, truly does not affect me are anymore. You, have you, are you reading? Do you read everything? Or do you yeah, have people I, now I mean, kind of I'm, filter no, through? I, and my favorite thing is like, everyone's like, no one doesn't read the comments. Like that's not a real thing. Everyone reads them. The only human being who could probably just like not read anything about them on the internet it has absurd amounts of self-restraint. But I mean, I, I think also... It is this thing where I've taken it a little bit of like a being like, okay, like if this is what people think, then we just need to be better. Like right. it, I've sort of taken it as like sort of like a challenge of like, okay, no, these people, whatever, who, no matter who they are, aren't taking this seriously and we just need to prove them wrong. Yeah. That's and mature. Very incredibly I mean, mature. You're also in a really tough city for the, I mean, oh, yeah. passionately hating something is kind of like a pastime. I feel that's like our thing here. It's I'm just pointing out our publicists. <laughs> That's why I fit in here. They're just right. judgy. They're just yeah, judgy. We're just judgy. It's yeah, New York right. publicists judging everything. People. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They are. So like you're you're in a city that's it's tough. It's relentless. I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, it's and we have people which blows my mind. Where I think we're also in a time and a place that every people just want to compare something to something. Yeah. Right. And we have people who come in here comparing us to Love Madison Park, and we're like. How how are you doing that? Like, we're half the price. Right. We're. But is that your own fault a little bit? Like because no, like, I mean, like that's those are your boys, right? That's kind of where you spent some time. You trained yeah, there. Yeah, but I I think the inherent thing of like the second someone is like sees anything, they just want to compare it to something. And like right. we we really try to do something that's a little different, a little bit more fun, a little like more casual and not super fine dining. And like we have people who come in being like, why didn't I get like caviar foie gras and truffles and we're like because the menu is a hundred that really that's what's happening yeah no we oh, and that's insane no, that's no, I mean, it, and it's you need a supplement menu yeah that's, that's not i know <laughs> but it's 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 this thing where like i think we like the other week we had someone who came in and wrote an email after being like i went to the Madison park and i got like three meat courses and i only got one from you guys and it's like we're not the same restaurant right so like yeah. and i mean it, it's not even that we get compared i mean everyone compares everything to everything so i think that's a weird thing right now where yeah. no one can really and do something outside the box because everyone just wants to put you in. One. And it, that's a weird thing that your exposure has also sort of allowed them to think yeah. that way. Because again, you've worked in a lot of these Michelin starred places. Um, your restaurant's not on the Upper East Side. Like, no. I, I, you know, I, you're probably even here for a, a specific reason, right? Yeah, you're, I mean, I, I love this neighborhood. I think it's it's where we wanted to be, where we're trying to do something. We were trying to do something that was felt different and I think the only way to do that was not put us in a neighborhood that has those restaurants. Right. Is put a, put ourselves in a place that's a little bit more a little bit more like hard and like not as pretty and, and is a little bit more like It's not it's not passed through the Tammy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little rough around the edges, okay. which is the idea. And right. like I think it's it's really interesting to see how some people just don't get it. And right. like that's I mean it's it's a thing where like a lot of like most people do but I mean I think that's such a weird thing in the food world and anything is trying to do something I mean even when I was trying to do this 
like raise money and, and all this and talking to investors for the restaurant right. and I was telling them like oh we're trying to do like this concept that might not it's work tiny we're like trying to do something that's not what every trend is in New York right now of sort of pulling back from that and just being like we're just going to have a few people over for dinner and everyone was sort of like why don't you do like the small plates thing that everyone else is kind of doing and like right. because it's going so well and like it's this thing where I feel like everyone in every aspect media people coming all this stuff you're, they're trying to fit it into a, a formula that right. like we really try not to be a formula because I wanted it to be personal and I'm not I don't fit in any box yeah like, although, <laughs> I, although I do feel like I mean um, without having dined here the just reading about the menu and how you're doing it you know it is like current you know I'm not going to use the word trend because yeah. that's a bad word but like you know it's you just want to cook dinner As a matter of fact I was reading something where you're like I just want I don't like I, I, I just want the pressure to be like I'm just cooking dinner for people yeah unfortunately no one really can, that doesn't, can pull right. that away but but, but, I mean, but, but you've done it with your you can help that by the format that you've chosen yeah, right? like and you I, do have like okay well here's a feast of meat and here's a pasta course and here's just luscious delicious food yeah I mean I think here's it's, a Ritz cracker yes it's and here's your foie gras yeah no they, right. get, they still get their foie gras like, right. that's the thing is like we still need to do those things and we still need to do certain elements of service and certain things like that but it's been really interesting to me to see of like I mean we have the idea of sort of you move between the rooms and, and seeing how individual people sort of react to what we're trying to do because the idea kind of sprung from when I first started doing dinners in my like my parents house we could kind of cook what I could kind of cook whatever I wanted because you were in a home and so you could be eating some crazy dish but you still felt comfortable and relaxed because you were in someone's home and it felt like that was like an extension of like everything felt comfortable even if the food was something you didn't necessarily recognize um, and so I think we really wanted to lead with that idea of you're coming into my home. But still, like, we have people who, obviously, because that's what they're used to, treat it like it's just a regular restaurant. And, like... How often are you in the dining room? I mean, our kitchen is literally... <laughs> right, okay, yeah, got it. But so, I, and I, mean, but I, mean, I, you... I walk probably 70% of the food. Right, okay. And I, we're So good. then are you, I'm going to guess that you have to do... Uh, uh, you have to sort of pry yourselves pry yourself away from tables to get back yes. to the kitchen it's very like I'll be yeah. clearing a table and I'll be like holding plates for like 15 <laughs> minutes as they're like talking but I mean it's re- now we sort of move people so you start your meal or you eat 90% of your meal in here and we started moving people actually into the living room side for dessert right um, originally we started people there oh meet and greet time but it, it's actually a very nice thing of like we bring people in there for dessert we don't have to turn that table like, we have double the amount of seating that we need, so we don't. no one actually has to get kicked out. So if someone wants to talk and chat, right. that's the perfect time. They're done with their meal. Yeah. It's not going to mess up oh, the flow. Oh, I like that. You've kind of worked it right into the system. So we perfect. worked it in where, like, yeah. everyone finishes. I go around. I, like, make the circles in the room nice. while everyone's getting set up for the next turn in here. And it sort of is this nice thing where it splits, and, it, and people get to feel like they got their time to talk. Nice. And, I do and, that, too, in my restaurants. It's, uh, we do kitchen tours. It's a bigger restaurant, but... It's yeah, sort of like, like if I'm doing a, it's if like I'm walking a family through the kitchen, uh, you know, it's a server can like sort of reset the table, get the check there, you know, get the right. waters refilled. And no, it's a nice like, thing hey, of like to be like, hey, we did this incredibly. Yeah, and nice I mean, thing. we're also very. I'm very big on sort of getting, not even just me, just the staff, and I think creating more of a a, a team of people that like 
guests want to talk to and like that they feel like when they left they didn't just get to meet me they got to like create like this group of people that sure. are all sort of doing it together community hey jasmine yeah. You remember the joy and spirit of uh, Peter Pan? Of course. Like when he's flying over London mm, and all that yeah. stuff. It's one of my favorite rides. Well, there's a place where you don't have to grow up, even though the world tells you to. And that place is, you guessed it, WDW, which is what the kids are saying, Walt Disney World. It's tough being an adult, but at Walt Disney World, you can put the adulting on pause and let the everyday stresses of life disappear. I actually do this at Disney World. There's so much cool stuff you can do at Walt Disney World after hours. Did you know that? Including like a crawl of some of the best in-park dining options. If the world tells you to grow up, at Disney World, guess what? You don't have to. WDW is the perfect escape for millennials. That's right, you weirdos. There's an entirely new way to experience it as an adult without the kids, from cool drinking options to the excitement of after-hours events. Find your happy place here. You might even find Richard Blaze doing a show. We just did yeah, a show at Disneyland. Right. We're doing Disney World in the fall. There are you. so many cool attractions and characters that bring your childhood to life and new experiences that you can appreciate as an adult, especially Captain Hook, who scared the pants off of me. And I mean, not literally, but we sort of saw Captain Hook the other day. And he kind of like scared me a little bit. Yeah. Relive the nostalgia of Disney or create some new memories for yourself at Walt Disney World. The advanced specialists at the Center for Innovative GYN Care developed groundbreaking, minimally invasive techniques to treat fibroids, endometriosis, and other GYN conditions. In response to growing concerns over the coronavirus, CIGC now offers e-visits. We know GYN conditions don't stop affecting your life. CIGC wants to be here for you as you seek options to find relief from debilitating gynecologic symptoms such as abnormal bleeding and pelvic pain. With telemedicine options now available, book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. That's InnovativeGYN.com or 888-SURGERY. Hey, everyone. Join financial guru Susie Orman with her podcast, Women and Money, every Thursday on Podcast One. You can ask Susie all of your questions as she helps you become more empowered with your money. Download Susie Orman's Women and Money show at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. And also remember to rate and review it. And I want to get on that show, Jasmine. Yep. Susie Orman, I guess you can you go could, on it. It's Women and Money. You can use some you know, financial tips. I can definitely use yeah. some financial guidance. Financial Susie planning. Orman, hit us up. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. When, so where was the first place you stopped? Or the, or the first place that like, you recognize as being like an official, like, I'm in a professional kitchen right now. This isn't home. Um, and this is the real deal. The first place I ever worked was actually it was in L.A. It was in the Lockburn Museum. Okay. Uh, it was called Raisin Stark Bar. Okay. I got the chef at some event, and he was like, come hang out in the kitchen. And... Um, and you took him up on the offer. I like the next day he showed up. Nice. And <laughs> it was it was a really I mean insanely like they were doing like 300 400 covers for lunch. Right. And that was the first kind of place that I went and the meat cook there really kind of took me under his wing and was like I'm going to teach you how to re- run this station. Right. And so when I was 12 years old I was like the meat cook for a 300 cover lunch service. <laughs> right. and, like, it was very much like one day some guy didn't show up and he was like jump on the line. Right. And kind of just got thrown into it. And they, it was funny because they're, they're actually part of like a big restaurant group. Right. And every time like the HR or whatever would walk in, I would have to like hide in the walk-in. Right. <laughs> because they're like, no one can know that you're here. Right. You and the circulators in the walk-in exactly. right now. Yes. 100%. Yeah. It was like everything that no, we all want people to see, go, right. go hide. Right. But, Grab the charcuterie yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was sort of the first place. And then after that, went to 
and, and and that was great because it was really I mean it was good cooking but it was very sort of a little bit more like I learned how to like I worked the grill station right and, like learned how to like hardcore cook yeah. meat to temperature like without a without a circulator and like do every I burnt the shit out of my arms like right. and really kind of learned how to do actual <coughs> cooking quick little aside um, if the health department ever comes in if you're running a restaurant for the listeners out there and you have a circulator set up and they don't know what it is just tell them it's an AM radio it's worked for me. You might have to explain why, you know, the station's set to 56.5 or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, but as long as nothing's swimming in the tank, you could probably say it's a radio. Sorry for the sidebar <laughs> there, Chef. Um, We've done it, too. When, when did it go from, like, I'm assuming in these first couple stages and you're sort of, like, progressing through levels of restaurants, which I really actually love that that's the beginning of your story, too, that it wasn't plucking shervil in a, you know, three-star place. Um, no, but, I mean, the, the is like... Even when I was there, like I did that for a few weeks, and then when I even when I went to La Mass Park for the first time, like that's what I did. Right. But then I just sort of found these people who really didn't care about necessarily the exact way of the hierarchy. They just wanted. They were just like, you need to learn all these things, and we're going to teach them to you. Nice. And so like, it's also an asset for a cook because when you have stages running around. To befriend a yeah. stage, oh, yeah. it's just good. It's, it's oh just, no, yeah, it's good work I, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I, I think yeah. it was sort of like every, someone would grab me and be like, "You're yeah. just gonna like do a bunch of shit for me." And right. Like, and I mean, that was the the first time I went to La Madison Park was um, incredible because they I met the, the chef de cuisine and the sous chef, and they the first day that I was there, they had this whole thing where they were like, "We want to teach you every aspect of the restaurant." Right. So like, I would go for two weeks and I would spend. Two days on garmage, two days on pastry. Two, like they'd let me expedite a service. Right. Like, I was like 13 years old, and they're like, "You're gonna plate hot food at right. a Michelin star restaurant." Now, why do you right. think they did that? I think it's because I mean, a lot of chefs started really young, and like yeah. Daniel Hume started when he was like 13, and I feel like it's this thing where they—that's what I mean about the sort of good type of mentor. Where they're like, when I was that age, all I got to do was pick herbs and learn nothing, and they're like, "I actually want to teach you how to do these things." And like, I think they also learned that like. I mean, I felt a little bad for the other stages who were kind of stuck doing that because they were very, like, we want you to learn. But I think they saw that, like, even when I... They still would always still make me, like, do little time bundles and, like, mindless things. But I was always sort of, like, next to something. I'd always be like, can I, like, sit on my station next to the grill cook? And I would just, like, watch them. Right. Well, you, you would ask to do that, though, right. right? So some of it probably came from just your own drive. Yeah, I mean, and I think they sort of recognized that and right. wanted to be a part of it, too. Yeah. And I think... I mean, it really was like I think, which gets glossed over a lot of that. Like, I definitely wouldn't be at this point unless I found these chefs that really were that supportive and let me sort of do things that probably no one should have let me do at that age. Right. But really just kind of let me run with it and knew that, like, I mean, there's always, like, someone there that, like, if I messed up, like, it wouldn't go out. But, right. like thankfully didn't mess up enough that they would be like you can just keep going yeah that's incredible I mean the fact is that like it is the, it's the hospitality industry like for a reason like we all are in it for a, for a different you know for, for different reasons but for me it's always been like my, my whole thing is like oh it's like I didn't give an, get enough love when I was child and this is like my way to like get love from other people and to like give people food and to like have this moment of sort of community and, 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 and sharing and it like extends beyond the dining room right like we think yeah. of hospitality like the dining room as a guest but it seems like you, the mentors you had and, and Daniel and Will and all these chefs and cooks that you ran into while you were staging 
you know, were true. They were in the hospitality industry. Yeah. No, I mean, and it, I, I think that was what was so incredible about those places. Is like the first time I went there, the chef cuisine, this guy James Kent, was like, he was like, have you ever had white truffles? And I was like, no. And he was like, all right, sit down in the kitchen and, like, serve me, like, their three white truffle courses. And they, like, totally didn't have to do that. Right. right. But it was this thing where they just felt like they they were, like, there's a 13-year-old kid in this kitchen. Like, we're not going to, like, let him. We're, we're not going to, like. And I think everyone knew that it was a different situation. Cause yeah. Because they were like, we want this person to be good and to to be able to do what what we want and, and show them our values. And, and I think it was that thing where when someone so young and so ambitious comes in, they're like, we can't really like, just like not teach you things right. because right. you're going to just Let be go. messed up. Do you remember when, if there was a, a point where like, I mean, again, it's tough because you're like a rare case, but like when we do have like young people in the kitchen and there's this moment of like, oh, it's a kid in the kitchen, put a toke on him. Oh, oh no, for sure. It's cute, it's <laughs> yeah. adorable. There's a puppy in the kitchen. No, again. there was a lot of that. I mean, there was a lot of that initially and then like, I think I, I mean, I, always just sort of laughed it off and then I was like okay but like what can I do like right, right, sure, right, right. I think they saw that of like oh he actually like wants to work when did like, it change when did it go from like um, you know it's not a pup you know this isn't a puppy in the kitchen anymore this is a, a baby tiger <laughs> it was funny I mean there's there's always going to be the jokes there's always going to be the like it, and it even transformed from like being joked about for just being young and then I would like I worked at this restaurant um, Mimo in Norway sure and yeah. uh my nickname there was Superstar because when I was there, some like Norwegian magazine put me on the cover of it, and <laughs> they were like, it was they like, and it was always like they would also keep me really level headed with all that because I would get teased all day about these things. Sure, but I think it was the thing where they would like find it really funny and and would enjoy it, but they were also like, oh, this person like knows what he's doing, and I think that's a great thing about kitchens is like, yeah, they'll take it as a joke, whatever, when it comes in, but then the second that you actually kind of prove yourself. Then they're just like, oh, great, this is, like, an asset. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's with any, like, if I get a stage tomorrow, and no matter where they're from, you're sort of like, oh, we don't know how it's going to be. And then the second that they actually prove themselves, and you're like, this person knows what they're doing, it's like, great, now we're going to, like, use this as an asset. And I think that they treated me the same after I sort of would yeah, prove myself it's, it's, in the kitchen. It still is, and it always <laughs> has been an industry that a resume really doesn't mean anything. It's no, like, I mean, and I think it's the thing where, like, you have people from so many different walks of life that you have no clue where they came from, like how they were brought up or how they started cooking or, or what they like about it. But like, it's sort of like results speak for themselves. Right. But it also goes to um, an interesting part about this is that you're so young and like you're like college age, right? And like you're doing all of this while you're in high school and junior high, right? Even I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Um, and you've just sort of taken this other path, which right now I feel like you're into entrepreneurship this is the, the, the new path like hey yeah. you just need to find the things that you love and go forward with them and don't just fall you know victim to sort of the way things were done yeah has that ever been like a, a like a family discussion or like your path in like um, you know going in a different fork and not going to uh, school at this moment or whatever or, yeah, I mean, or running a business instead of like being a, a normal yeah, you know, exactly. 19 year old I mean my parents are they're both artists and they understand like they're very like with oh, a slight eye roll as you yes. said artists just they, no I mean they, and they, I think that was funny I, I think it was more for parents not artists just to be yeah. clear yeah, no I yeah. mean they, they were like artists but also like they were like struggling artists they weren't like like my parents are like famous painters and I think like it was this thing where they were there was always a definite hesitation towards me at 13 me like I want to do this but I think 
what gave them comfort at least was that it's a skill set. Like they were like, if this doesn't work out and it goes crazy, like yeah, I can just go work in a restaurant. Like, and I think that was a big thing for them is like being able to sort of like let me do it was there like he's actually learning like a job. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. Like you, you, you the, I mean, I, I love like verbal plays and puns and stuff like, but like the, the idea of the starving artist. Yeah, and then but then the conversely the idea of like a cook never starves like you're saying yeah. is like worst case scenario is you're always gonna have a I job. I always get a if job if you know how to grill three hundred yeah. steaks. No, exactly, and I think that was service. that was the thing that I like. Yeah, if I wanted to be like, I'm gonna drop into school at thirty and be a painter, they definitely would have not let that happen. But I think, I mean, they were very non-traditional in a way of just kind of being like we trust you and always sort of understood that I kind of knew what I wanted and. I mean, at the point where I was like, can I do school online so I could work five days a week in a restaurant? There's definitely, like, a lot of a, are you sure you want to do this? Um, And then when I was like, I think they knew that I was like, there was no doubt in my mind. And I always think the funny thing about, like, because I get asked every single day by some, and I'm not saying you're a cliche journalist. No, no, that's fine. That's all right. I get asked every single day, like, do you feel like you're sort of missing out on, like, a normal version of this? Yeah. And... I, I always, like, think it's really funny of, like, the normal version of this has only been for, like, the last 50 years or something. Right, like, right. If we were in, like, the 20s, I would be, like... Yeah. Behind. Behind. Like, <laughs> people were dead. Like, I mean, like, yeah, it, like yeah, it, a- it's this thing where it's a very current societal thing of, like, take your time, do all these things. Like, I mean, also an American thing. Like, I, I know, like, uh, Daniel Hume, for example, he went to a school in Switzerland that... After a certain point, like I think it's like your second year in high school, you figure out what you want to do, and you go to high school for two days, and the rest of your days you work. Right. And I think that's such an interesting thing of like, I know so many kids who are just like in college, like on their parents' time, and they're just like, I don't know what I'm going to do after I graduate. Yeah. Right. And then they get thrown into the real world, and it's like, they're yeah, like, and then they're, they're kind of behind. I think that's it. Like, I think there is like it's. Like encouragement is really important, you know. Having yeah. people like, oh, I see a skill or a talent or a passion that that someone uh, has. And I mean, like, I, down that road. and I saw that, and like, even like, I'll get random thirteen-year-olds being like, I want to do this thing, and I, I, I also think it's encouragement to an extent of like, my parents were always like encouraged it, but they were like, be a, like, be aware of like what you're doing, and don't just like like think about things before you do it instead yeah. of just like kind of running wild. So let's chop this up real quick. So you said like other 13-year-olds. So be like, now you, I'm sure you're like, you know, it's the, you're on the other side now where you're a mentor. I'm assuming to a lot of people who probably DM you and reach out to you. Yeah. Um, you just judged, I think, was it, did you job, judge Top Chef Junior this season? Yeah. Or, okay, so I, I saw some photos from that. I've, I've done a couple of episodes there. How, how weird is that? It's for, weird. For you now, that, but you're also talking to people that are, you know, close to your age or where you, exactly where you were a few years it's, ago. Re- it's really funny to me now, especially because, like, for example, that, like, it was like, they were all like 13. Some kid was like, What's the 11 Madison Park Kitchen like? And I, it was really funny. I, I was there and I was just like, Was I this lame? Like, I was right. just like, Did I think cooking was this cool? Because, like, it's that thing where, like, I was kind of jaded. I'm just like, This is what I do. And sure, like, sure. But seeing that sort of excitement was like, I remembered, like, Oh, when I was yeah. like obsessed with it. And I mean, I, I think it's interesting now, though, which I'm sort of at fault for, um, in also the way that what I did had been covered was that there's a lot of sort of jumping over the steps that aren't the necessarily, like, I don't think they're necessary for, like, the traditional, like, way of a hierarchy or going up it, but in order to, like, know what the hell you're doing. Right. And I always say, like, if you're, if you're trying to be 14 years old, whatever, doing a pop-up, like I did, right. 
you need to know everything. Because, like, you can't, like, there's only so much of an extent that someone's going to be like, oh, they're a kid. Like, we were, I was charging real money when I was, like, 14, Right, yeah, unless you're giving it away. Exactly. Unless you're giving it away. And it was like, I needed to perform, like, any other chef would be that would be charging that much money. And I think that's, that's always the thing of, like, now there's more of the mentality of, like, Instagram and all these things of just, like, jumping sort of straight to get, or going on Top Ship Junior or whatever, which is great, but... I think there's a lot of kind of mis. This is great. You're you're basically saying what like six year old chefs are saying too. Like so, no, same I mean, same idea. But is that the same idea. Want to I mean, I'm a little less like, like you don't have pedantic, to do it for pedantic. ten years. Right. right. I think it's it's something you have to do it until you know it. Right. Well, that's and interesting like, too because you like you were not you're you're old enough that when you first started it wasn't Instagram. No. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. you were, you didn't yeah. start on Instagram. No. Like that wasn't your you know you weren't digitally inspired. So do you feel somewhat responsible for the kids that are oh, 13 sure. on Top no, Chef I mean, Junior? Right? You are responsible. It was <laughs> season one, somewhat, right? Yeah. With the kids that came I will say, I do take a little bit of credit for... Sure. The, not Top Chef Junior, Master Chef Junior, because right. they were trying to develop a show with me and I didn't want to do it. Right. And then three months later, Here we go. Yeah, they found all these is. other kids. But, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's the interesting thing where, like, I never wanted to do it for celebrity or whatever. I just wanted to do it and then shit happened. Sure. And like, I was like, cool. Yeah, for the real reason. You want yeah. to cook to make people happy and, and I, enjoy doing it. Yeah, and I think that is the thing where as long as like the end goal is like a pure thing that's very personal and like that's a goal that you're giving yourself, I think one, I mean, it definitely makes it a lot harder to like if your thing is like this sort of strive for perfection or whatever. It makes it much harder to do things every single day, but it makes it better where you're not going to kind of drift off a path because of some shiny thing. Like, was it tough judging a kid who like presented like um, an Oreo cookie with two gumdrop eyeballs and like an endive hat or something like crazy that? What's crazy is the food was really good. No, That's it's, true. It yeah, impressive. that was. Yeah. They were, I, it was like the final round yeah. and they were all cooking lobsters and I was like I was like they did it really surprisingly well like in it. I know I could not. I've judged two I, I judged MasterChef in Australia and that one <laughs> both times I get nervous because like there, both times the thing was like I had to show them a dish and they had to recreate it sure, and sure. I felt so bad because I was like show them this dish and then no one had enough time to do it right right yeah. right so it's right. like you're like I feel like I'm forcing these people to do badly but I mean everyone I mean that was the most shocking thing was I didn't really have any expectations going into it and I was like wow this is seasoned well like and I think that's the thing of like which was my case too a lot of people are just like they write it all off but like I think there's a certain yeah. point of cooking that you just either have or you don't like you either know that something tastes good and know how to season something and know how to like what it should be or you don't and like I think that's something that a lot of people forget is that it's not just skills like there is this other element to it that you could work in a restaurant for 45 years but if you don't know how to season something well you'll never be successful like and I think that's the weird thing is like where people get a little too preachy about the just it's just work right of like no, I mean, you look at the chefs that are successful and there is something else there. Right. Like, it does have that artistic side to it that is what is the difference between a career line cook and someone who's going to, like... So the answer, is it food, is it craft or art? Is Which is such, I mean, the most... I personally think it's, it's, it's arts and crafts. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a really... In, I mean, that's what I love about it is it's a mix of both. Like, I love the element of doing things with my hands and kind of being, like, an artisan, but I also think there is some part of it that's like subconscious that it's very like the reasons that the reasons that I put certain things together I have no clue why I do that 
And I think that's the reason, and I know a lot of chefs that are the same way, is there's not, like, a formula to it. Right. There's no, like, unless you're just cooking recipes, and you're, when you're creating it, that's the art side to it. Right. Like, but is it, um, so is it just memory of flavor, then? You're, you're talking about creating, a, like, when you're creating a dish? Because you do have some, like, really interesting pairings in your, yeah, I mean, a lot that, of the items you have. Is it things you're just thinking about? Or you? Sometimes it's, it's a memory of a dish. I, I mean, I, I always talk about this sort of, like, you get, like, an encyclopedia in your head sure. of just, like, things that just pop in and, like, sometimes they don't work sometimes like I mean like the other week I tried some dish that everyone everyone in the kitchen was like are you are you sure about this right but and, you loved it and it was delicious right. I, mean, well, I mean then they tried and they're like this is actually really good but right. like the flavor combination just sounded weird but for me it sounded right and I think that's the thing where like that's where I was like okay like I'm confident like sure. the point of being confident enough in like that in your head and going no this is gonna taste good takes just a long time Eating things and it's and just from scrolling through the sort of mental database that you have. Yeah, exactly. Like flavors and, that you've seen more. And not even like consciously doing that. Like sometimes I'll just be sitting there and I'll be just like, oh, what if I did those things? And I have no clue where it came from. I'm sure I saw it somewhere, tasted it, or saw an ingredient somewhere and it's just kind of floating around in there. Right. But then they just kind of come out and like sometimes they, which I, I mean, I, I really, because we don't really spend, we're not the kind of restaurant that has like a test kitchen. Right. Like it's very sort of like. Yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't well, know if I, mean, I really this, want yeah, one. Like, like, I, I mean, I, you said you do want one, or I don't know if I do. I mean, okay. I, I, I like the thing. I mean, I, I think things do need to be kind of worked out and tweaked. But this thing where like, it's not like this is a list of ingredients and we like do it like that. It's very sort of today I want to cook this and then we try it before service and maybe we need to tweak it. And does it change in service sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll do it for the first turn and I'll take it off menu for the second turn if I don't like right. it. Like, right. yeah. it's a very sort of random which. Flavors and presentation, or I just every, presentation everything. will change a lot. But sometimes, yeah. like I mean, there, there's never really a time where something is bad. But there's been a lot of times where I put something like a dish out, and maybe like putting it out in that first kind of draft right. that still tastes really good when I'm doing it. But then that night, as I'm cooking it, we'll be like, "Oh, what if I did this?" And then the next day, it's incredible. And right. like that's the sort of thing with like doing it in service, seeing how people react to it. Like, there's so many things that I think, like, test kitchens are, like, you kind of are, you're in, like, a little bubble. Like, Yeah, nice and you also have probably, you know, some of your brightest minds in that test kitchen. Yeah, you but... You don't I mean, have the pressure of executing, you exactly, know, dozens like, of that dish Exactly, it's time. like, we do it during service, and if it doesn't work, we don't do it. Then, like, there's been, like, a few dishes that we put on the menu, try it for one service, and we're just like, this... It's not that it doesn't work, it's that it's not exactly how we want it to be, and, like, we know that for our kind of way that we do the restaurant, that might not work on the menu, and, like... So that's why I think it changes all the time and really if it feels right, then it's great. If it doesn't, it comes off the menu. So what's, so what's next then? There's the, the cookbook, the uh, no test kitchen. We said that. Like what, what are a couple of like if you had to say, I know this was you couldn't have done when you were 13 or 14. Imagine where you're, you're at now as 19, almost 20. But if I said, what's Flynn McGarry going to be up to at 25? I mean, right now. All I can really think about is this restaurant. Right. Uh, it's sort of like, how, what are we doing tomorrow? Uh, I feel like that's a little bit of an athlete's sort of answer. No, I you mean, know, in a good way. Like the athlete, it's, it's up. You know, it's all my teammates. We're just concentrating on winning the game. Yeah, the I mean, it's that thing where I can't do anything else unless this is good. Right. <laughs> like yeah, that's sure. the reality of this. Is yeah. like, I talk about it sort of all the time of like the gravity of like, the, especially for me, like the first restaurant. I'm like, this is real now. If people don't like this and if this doesn't go well and I don't put every ounce of me into it then there is no next step. I mean, that's a bit more dramatic than it probably is, but for me, there's no, like, this is the step before the next ones. 
And if I don't feel like this one was done well, then the whole path kind of changes. So I think that's, that's the thing was, this was always the end, the end goal. Right. Like from when I was 10 years old, I, yeah, it was like, I want to like, this is what I want to do. I want to have my own restaurant. Now I have it. And it's like, now it's like the beginning of a new path. Right. And like the same way of then it was like, I knew exactly what I had to do to get here. Now I know sort of exactly what I have to do to keep going. And so what's success for the, for, for gem then? What will success be? Will it be, uh, is it a, is it a star stars? Is it, is it I mean, hopefully, I mean, financial I, profit. What, what is, what's the metric? I'd love to pay our investors back. Um, <laughs> I mean, for yeah, for I me, mean, like for me, this restaurant's not really about making money. It's like I, as long as I can pay my rent, I don't really care because right. I don't do anything else. But I mean, it really is. Yeah, you want good reviews, and I think it, it is this sort of level of validation of like it's been so long of just like who is this kid? What's he doing? Whatever. And now it's like this is a real thing, and like I think the validation will be on on it, like getting the restaurant to be treated like any other restaurant at this level, at this price point, at that, and like. That's the goal is to sort of move, have people move away from the idea of like the novelty, whatever of it, and just be like, this is a restaurant that serves sure. really good food and has really good service and that people enjoy. Whether that is getting a star, but I mean, realistically, it's like serving the amount of people that we need to serve every night to stay open. Right. Like, I just think it's like you're so mature, dude, like to even just say like the novelty of it, like knowing exactly kind of like what it is. And uh, listen, this is going to be successful, but um, no, it's, it, or, it already is. You already are. But like, don't also don't. Um, uh, failure is underrated. No, I mean like, that, the, but, the authenticity no, but that's, of that's failure the thing, because like, you're like self-aware. Like that's that's also really powerful. I'm also fully aware. Like I, I think that's something that like I realize every day when, when I do this, where it's like, yeah, it would definitely not be great if this didn't go well. But on the other hand, like. I'd be like, like, there's always the positives to the to the failure of like, yeah, I would learn a ton, and I would sort of get into like, I'm not like right now I'm literally chained to this restaurant, right? And like, so there are a lot of things that like I'm like, yeah, if this didn't work out, I would be fine. I would figure it out. Like, right. I'm not that, I'm not that worried. Okay. But I mean, you obviously want it to go well, and I think it's more of a thing where like, it's not per- like for me, I understand failure and fine with it and and get that, but it's more of like. I mean, New York is such a cutthroat thing where it's like, if this one doesn't fail, got to take a minute off in New York, which I'm yeah. totally fine with. And sure. I think, but, but also that says a lot about you too. Like, just New York. Like, let's just, whatever. Like, let's yeah, just I do mean, it in New York. It's like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right. And I, and I think that's that's the great thing about, like, my feeling of all this right now. I was like, yeah, we're trying our hardest to make everything incredible and, and work, but if what I think is right just doesn't work, I'm not going to, like, reimagine everything to fit to someone else's idea because I don't have to do that. Like, There'll can, never be a Caesar salad on this menu. I think what we're saying There might be a Caesar here, salad. I, we, we've been talking about doing table-side Caesar salads. It's just like sort of a joke. Right. But, um, it is this thing I'll where, know like, that that's the signal. Just so yeah, you know, that's the if signal. If I read that you're doing a I'm, table-side I love a good table-side Caesar oh, yeah. salad. It's true. It's, it's coming true. back. It's um, true. 
But even that, like, that's like, I mean, if we put that on the menu, people would be like, I don't understand what's right. going on. Like, exactly. we're eating this tasting menu, right. and we walk over and we're like, just tossing fold some caviar stuff. into the dressing. You're it's, good. See, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. That is on the menu soon right. of right. a table side. We, I, I just bought some giant pepper grinders that's for amazing. our new pasta course. And also, oh, like, I feel like it validates my, because I, 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 I meant it seriously. No, but it is this thing where it's like, no one would expect that. Right. And like, that's the thing is like, I have a lot of ideas that aren't necessarily the traditional idea. And like, if people come in and we're doing a taste menu we serve you the table side Caesar salad if you don't like that that's totally fine I'm loving it yeah like, I love that. I mean I always say that um, a chef once thought, a pastry chef said like the most creative flavor I could make right now is vanilla and like it was just like mind blowing sort of comment because you know it's really saying you know that like we have to sort of flip the video game back to yeah, the first no, no, no. stage and like I, I think I had to realize that and I think a lot of people realize that I was like I'm not going to be Renee Zeppi. like I'm not changing the way people cook I was like, I, we're just trying to make good food yeah. and like present it in a setting that's enjoyable and fun. And and I think that honestly now is different. It's like trying to do something that's a little bit more dialed back and like sure. not as grandiose and a little bit more just like we do some things that are super chill. And like it's not like we're not trying to impress you anymore. Right. It's like we're trying to just like – Which, by the way, you're having those moments at 19 that like most chefs have at 39. No, just, and, just and that's clear, the incredible thing. of like I've been doing this for a long time <laughs> true, now. True, true. I went through the whole thing of like at one point my food was – everything was trying to out-impress it and then did that for well, drives five you mad. years. Let's be honest, right? Yeah, it drives no. you personally mad trying to – Did that for yeah. five years and then cut back. And I mean I'm still not quite at the point where like I know chefs who are just like I'm not trying anymore. I'm just, they're just like I'm just going to make food that tastes fine, right. that tastes good. But – we still try to do things different, but Jeremy Fox is doing it. Mm. Like I'm saying, like this reminds yeah. me really of like, Jer- like when we had Jeremy Fox on. It's I like love, the moment I where love like, his food. I'm just cooking delicious I mean, food, and it looks like it. You know? He's he's my favorite. Yeah, we, yeah, we always refer to him as he's like in LA. He's like dad. Yeah, like, yeah he's yeah, like yeah. he's like the guy who like is over everything before everyone else is, yeah, especially right. with the salt and pepper <laughs> beer. Like, yeah, he, he's dad that's wearing a supreme cap. Yeah, exactly. That. He's cool, Dad. Uh, Flemingary, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, Thanks, near man. the end of the podcast, we like to play a game. Are you down for a fun sure. little game? This is going to be about your people, and when I say your people, I mean millennials. Okay. Uh, the game is called <coughs> Scarf or Barf. So Scarf or Barf. Scarf means you're going to eat it up. You love it. Barf okay. means you can't stand it. You're going to throw it up. All right, here we go. Matcha. The matcha craze. There's like matcha places on every corner now. <laughs> uh, both. I can, I mean, <laughs> Wait, so uh, you say both. Are you gonna barf gonna it and then first? scarf it yes. after you've barfed it? No, okay. more of a scarf first than barf. <laughs> okay, got but it. yeah, the, I love matcha. The trend of matcha I find fascinating, right. and yeah. at some points ridiculous, but also at some points. So are you an, are you a, a, a non-concept guy? No, I love a good concept. Okay, good. I, I I I mean, I think people just need to realize that concepts aren't forever, and like I love a good trend. Right. As long as that trend ends. Like, <laughs> nice. That stays a trend. That's an and artist comment right there. That, that's, right. that's impactful. Okay, next one. Cryptocurrency. Barf. Come on, all your friends are using it. <laughs> I accidentally made a bunch of money on Bitcoin. I will, wait, I will, wait, I, wait, you accidentally made yeah. a bunch of money on Bitcoin? Yeah, my friend was really like, he was like, can you send me money on Bitcoin? Because I like owed him like $20. And he was like, I'm trying to like buy Bitcoin. Like, Can you send me it through Bitcoin? And I forgot to send it to him, but I bought the Bitcoin like three years ago. Right. And I made a pretty decent really? amount on I it imagine. accidentally. Yeah. Wow. And so I like it for that reason. Right. I think the whole concept of it and how everyone won't shut up about it is pretty annoying. <laughs> nice. But well, this is great because I feel like in 10 years we're going to be having this conversation about how you dominated the stock market. No, but that's the thing. Like, and I took all of it out. I was like, yeah. I don't trust this. Right. Like, 
Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so then it's a scarf on, on Bitcoin, right? Is that what we're saying? Uh, no, it's a barf. A barf. Yeah. Bar. Yeah. All right, uh, app-based dating technology. We're talking about Tinder. I, 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 do, I do frequent Raya. Okay. Oh, nice. There we go. Which is the, yeah. I the mean, famous one. The famous <laughs> people. Yeah, there you go. So, so, we, so we're, yeah, technology in all ways. I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's, there's definitely barf elements to it, but. Uh, Who's the most, most famous person you match with? Come on. This is always when, when someone has an answer like this, they're thinking about what their publicist would say. Yes, or very <laughs> much so. Um, no or what someone else's publicist they're would say. They're not paying attention, just Great. by the way. Um, I'm looking directly at you. My publicist is half paying attention. I'll, def- I'll, I'll keep it vague. It's, okay. it's a, uh, an actress in her early 20s who most people have seen for a very long time. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, Meredith Sidman, my publicist, yeah, she thinks she knows right. the answer. Yeah, so, we'll, 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 we'll find <laughs> out if she knows <laughs> it later. We'll speculate later. All right. But it's a fam- super famous actress that's been killing the game for a while. All right. Um, so, we're scarfing that. Uh, the term or even just the thing of influencers, social media influencers. You know the person who wants to come and go out on the street with one of your dishes and that's take a, a picture. That's a hard We're barf. barfing on social media influencers. I've never referred to myself as one. Well, no. I mean, but maybe, you do take your food out in the street to take pictures. I do. I do, take pictures. I do take pictures of the food. Natural though. light. Take pictures of right. the food. Right. It's got to be light. natural light. It's got to be natural light. Like the best thing that happened to food is natural light and matte bowls, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's very, very true. All right. Uh, Flamigari, scarf or barf? Poke. Scarf. I would say scarf too. And this is only because I... didn't I, always. I, didn't I know. Always I really... Well, I don't it's think... It's fish on rice. It's delicious. Right. I don't think it's a... Like you said, like it's, it's going to end because it's not going to work in all seasons in all markets. Yeah. Um, but as a thing, as a dish, it's delicious. Yeah. Poke has also been around for a minute. It yeah. just only recently became a trend. <laughs> That's true. I yeah. mean, San Francisco, New York, LA, it's been around for... But now it's like you're starting to see it in the middle of the country. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And it's like, yeah, that new poke place that just opened in Cincinnati. I don't know if it's going to work for the next three years. Okay, beards. Uh, uh, gentlemen's beards. Uh, it's it's uh depends on the length. This this is a neat, that's a, a fine short, length. A fine length. Any this longer length. than that, I'm not into. You're right. It gets a little scraggly. So we're gonna we're gonna barf it. Just we'll barf it. Uh, TED talks. Scarf. Scarfing them up. You've done one. I, d- I did. I did one. I watched a bunch of TED talks. Yep. Yeah, and that's. I mean, they 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 are kind of amazing. That that's an easy one. That's not. Just, and then here's one. The most millennial one. Uh, avocado toast. Scarf. Scarfing up the it's I delicious. like it too. It's delicious. I had it for breakfast yesterday, and when oh, yeah. I ordered it, I, I like apologized for it, and then like just because it's I was this thing. To be it's funny, just like I mean, it's it's good. It's that that trend has stuck around for a long time for a reason, right? Because avocado toast is delicious. That's yeah. true. That's true, dude. Thank you so much for playing with Thanks us. For uh, last me. thing we do, it's something called eighty sixth. It's eighty sixth. Something in the world. Flynn McGarry wants to eighty six. It could be something serious. Some people on the show have said Caesar salad. You're not going to say that. I know that already. Uh, what is one thing in the world Flynn McGarry wants to 86? A lot of things. People have gone through two or three. If, you, if they're... Um, think it's I want not going to be poke restaurants. It's not going to be, not gonna be Caesar salad. Might be beards. Yep. Um, could be beards. Um, what do I want at 86? Uh... I, I mean, we talked about it. I, I really would love to 86 Expectations. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, 86 Expectations. I feel like I'm going to be so much happier. Right. That's true. Um, and that really just, I think, like, it's the, the, the pressure of it or, you, like, for the I person just, for themselves. For everyone. Yeah, of, like, yeah. for the 
people who have expectations would be a lot happier if they got rid of them for the people that are dealing with those expectations would have a lot less like would it be a lot easier for them too obviously that's something that will not really going to go away but I think yeah I mean the idea of people just being like we'll see what happens dude clutch clutch answer Flimmy Gary uh, come check him out at his newish restaurant Gem here in the Lower East Side Chinatown sort of right is that where we're at Um, and also you're going to have to watch his film Chef Flynn which like I need to get like can you send me a screener or something like are we at that level? I don't even have a screener. I mean I know we'll find we'll find a way. But uh, it might be the last Chef documentary I'm going to watch. Thank you so much everyone for listening to Starving for Attention. Do us a favor, head on over to Apple Podcasts, uh, hit subscribe, uh, and drop us a review uh, specifically about this episode because it was kind of amazing. Thank you to our sponsors who make this all possible. Walt Disney World, WDW, plan your next magical adventure today. Uh, Green Chef, get fifty dollars off your first box at greenchef.us slash Richard. San Pellegrino, to find S. Pellegrino in your area, visit sanpellegrino.com. And of course, where would we be without TrueCar? Visit TrueCar for a better car buying experience. Until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or podcastone.com. All right, everyone, here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior of your car. Uh, Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage, and you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Weird, right? Totally. (laughs) Well, here's another tip you might also not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid so they know if you're getting a good deal before even buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states.